0: What is up? We are back. It is week one. We finally made it, and this is Football Life presents the Audible. I am your host, Randy Hammond, alongside none other than Matt Bushnell. Matt, and, and that Arizona air out there—do you smell it? Can you taste it? Can you feel it?
1: Meeting a W <laughs> right now, Randy. I am ready. We won. We won. We are here. Football. It's it's an amazing time, Randy. It's it's the hope is in the air. Everyone yes. thinks they're playoff bound. Everyone yep. thinks that they're Super Bowl contenders. We are here to break some hearts. We're here to give you information, but most importantly, we're here to welcome everyone to week one in the NFL season. The
0: 2021, the 2021 season is upon us. It has been a long summer, been a long year but this is probably the most exciting week of the season as you said optimism all around everyone thinks that the best outcomes are possible for their teams, except for me. I'm, I'm always negative about the Giants at all times, but not <laughs> everyone seems to be pretty optimistic around this time of year, so I love that. Um, this is episode 71, Matt Bushnell, In my opinion, I think number 71 is the single worst number in all of sports. Uh, has value in football. Obviously, offensive linemen were in the 70s, but um, the only two I could think of were Andrew Thomas wore this number at University of Georgia. He has switched to 78 and, uh, uh, with the Giants, and then Ryan Ram check uh with the new orleans saints or number 71 who you got
1: my one of my favorite bears was israel (laughs) adonajay defensive lineman really good player from nigeria really a feel-good story really inspiring story Mm -hmm. so for number 71 i'm going to give it up for israel adonajay
0: all right. Well, sorry to anyone who wore number seventy-one before, but to me, one of those one of those numbers that just looks funny. And just, I don't know. There are so many better numbers than, than seventy-one. All right. Uh, well, it's finally here. We are going to do a full week one preview, a season preview. We're going to have our Super Bowl predictions, our awards predictions. This is the the mother of all prediction shows, Matt Bushnell, and uh, we're not going to do two shows a week. This time around, it was kind of a lot on us last year, so we're going to try to do recaps slash teases every week on, on Tuesday nights. So we're going to you know keep going in this format uh, and preview a lot of the time while reacting to the games that already happened. Um, before we get to all of that, we have some news before kickoff happens in the NFL and um, some, some relatively big news, I would say. And number one, Matt Bushnell, per your request, we start. With T.J. Watt and the situation going on over there in Pittsburgh, the All-Pro Defensive Player of the Year candidate is now reportedly saying he's not interested in playing until he gets a new contract. Mike Tomlin disputed those reports today, saying he expects him to practice and play week one. Um, all things considered, I would I think you and I agree he's a top five pass rusher in the NFL. Um, the Steelers, uh, probably not an ideal situation to be in ahead of kickoff against the Bills on Sunday.
1: No, it's not. Like, this is just so stupid. And the reason why I say that, Randy, it's simple. We know the numbers for pass rushers. It's, he's going to be the highest paid defensive player when this contract gets settled. We all know it's going to get settled. But I think really what it comes down to is what the structure of this deal is going to be. But honestly, if Pittsburgh goes into this year for any extended amount of period without TJ Watt, that defense is not going to be able to hold up, not with the loss of Bud Dupree. And, you know, there's, they got a couple of other really nice players on that defense, but it's just not the same without T.J. Watt, And which makes me really believe, and I thought this before the season, I thought the Steelers are maybe a 6-7 win football team. Uh-huh. I, I don't have a lot of faith in this team. I think there's a lot of holes, a lot of deficiencies, yep. and I think they're going to show up big time. And I, what's scary about it is I think their offense is going to be bad If T.J. Watt is not on the field defensively, that defense might be bad.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the impact that he has on on the defense cannot be overstated. Like, I know when Bud Dupree went down, he started to get double teamed, but still, he draws that attention, and it's warranted, because he is a game wrecker. Um, As far as traditional pass rushers on the outside, on the edge, it is probably Miles Garrett uh, and and him along with – I don't know, your boy Khalil Mac, and then a pass rusher, you got you to throw Aaron Donald in there as well. Um, but overall, he's up there with one of the best elite pass rushers in the game. You have to pay him. You know what these guys are worth. Um, the Steelers do have a tradition of waiting to sign guys. Just last season, they signed Cameron Hayward to an extension on week one of – the Monday of week one. So not like this is unprecedented for this organization. Um I would say Cam Edward Hayward, as good as he was, um, probably a little bit older, not maybe towards the end of his prime, compared to speaking to T.J. Watt, who now isn't looking for his um, for a second contract after being uh, after his rookie deal, so this is the time for him to get paid, and I don't blame him for wanting to get paid. You could literally blow your ankle out, and then you're not getting paid after that. Look at what happened to Bundy Dupree. So uh, I'm, I I understand where T.J. Watt's coming from, and some guy who has not practiced all summer, I find it hard to believe my Tomlin's thoughts like, hey, he's going to practice, he's going to play. What going to change i don't understand why he would suddenly have a change of heart unless a contract comes to light between now and then
1: yeah the, the, the numbers are going to be there we i think it's going to be somewhere around that 140 million dollar range we're probably looking at what randy 90 million guaranteed i would guess and, and now you're just talking about structure how are you going to structure the years but, you know if i'm pittsburgh take a look at the landscape um you know emmanuel who is so nice to participate in our chat has the steelers in second no, I, I think the Ravens are a little bit better offensively, which is kind of weird to say because Lamar Jackson's their starting quarterback, but you know what? It's okay. He's an MVP winner. Also we have Cleveland when Cleveland's really good. So I think Pittsburgh has a real chance without TJ Watt to lose all four of those games.
0: Mm. So look, I, I yeah, I, I just think of a guy like TJ Watt is so valuable and I'm, I'm surprised the Steelers don't recognize that as well, but Um, not unprecedented for the Steelers. So maybe by the time we (laughs) kickoff happens on Sunday, TJ Watt is signed to an extension and he's on the field. Who knows? Yeah. All right. Well, we'll obviously, you know, keep updating, keep looking at football life because, you know, everyone's getting pretty good at updating all of these things. So, um, just, you know, we'll see what happens there. All right, the other another news item, um, the Texans have named their starting quarterback, and it is not Deshaun Watson. So uh Tarod Taylor, Ty God, getting another chance to start. I feel like he started for like 17 different teams at this point. Uh, but good for Tarod being a constant professional. Um And this has really not really come to a surprise to anyone, but Deshaun Watson not starting. But the surprising thing is he's still on the roster and quote unquote will sit. So I don't really know what the deal is there in Houston. Um, I don't know if they're waiting for a commissioner's exemplist deal. Um, Obviously, nothing legally is going to happen until after the season. So I don't know what to make sense of what's going on down there in Texas because I don't get it. Yeah,
1: I'm going to take a bold opinion here. I don't think he goes on the commissioner's exempt list. I wow. I think if they're going to do it, why wait to this point, Randy? It doesn't make any sense to let this drag out. And even for this to be a story, I think what does happen, though, is I think Deshaun Watson is going to get traded in these next four weeks. I, I think it's inevitable. I think Miami is going to be the most likely destination to acquire his services. And we're going to see one of the more epic draft packages ever sent to a team when Deshaun Watson goes from Houston to Miami.
0: I guess that will also depend on how Tua Tagovailoa does at the beginning of the season here, because if he comes out and plays well, maybe that would you know make it so they don't do that. And I think, in general, you should proceed with caution with this Deshaun Watson situation, because they are not going to proceed with any legal action until after the season. So you, if you do trade for him, yes, you will have him for this season, but anything goes after this year. So I would be very weary about trading three first-rounders for a guy you, who might be in jail this time, come this time next year. Um, he He is still being investigated on over 20 uh, accusations of sexual uh, assault and harassment, and 22 women have filed civil lawsuits against him. Um, He's getting uh, investigated by law enforcement and the NFL, and it's a whole big mess with Deshaun Watson right now, so... Um, if I'm a fan of the Dolphins, I've, I've read the Eagles have shown interest and, in, you know, I would just be very, very concerned about that this. And I feel bad for David Cully and the rest of the and a lot of the coaches on the Texans because they have to sit there with this giant elephant in the room here saying, you know, this guy could probably help us win games. But ultimately, we can't, you know, morally put him on the field. So uh, yeah, not- I don't know what to make of this. situation yeah
1: huh? Watson already told Philadelphia he's not going there he he, okay. he he refuses to be traded to Eagles he's got a full no trade um the one interesting thing if Tua plays well that plays into Miami's hands because then the draft pick compensation will obviously get significantly lower and maybe Tua gets shipped over to Houston as well
0: I think Tua has to be a part of the deal I don't know how they can bring in Watson and keep Tua on the team unless Tua just accepts I'm a traditional backup for the rest of my life but who knows yep who knows anyway moving on now uh um, Excuse me. See, we have an extension, and it's not TJ Watt, <laughs> it is Mark Andrews, of the Baltimore Ravens tight end, He signed a four year extension worth $56 million. And I think people who play fantasy are pretty familiar with the name Mark Andrews around this time of year. After the top three tight ends off the board, you have this man staring you in the face as the fourth best one, typically. Uh, this is $14 million per year. He's the third highest paid tight end in the league, trailing only George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. Well, I, I like Mark Andrews a lot, and I think he is Lamar Jackson's security blanket. Um, it's a lot of money, but as ultimately, when you don't have a ton of weapons, it's probably worth prioritizing the guys you got.
1: He's a really good tight end, too. And, yeah. you know, I, I know some people are saying he's not worth that much money. Now he, he is, because when you have a quarterback that can do different things and needs to roll out of the pocket, that tight end trailing on his backside for an easy outlet pass is very important for him. So it makes a lot of sense for Baltimore. It makes a lot of sense for Mark Andrews. He's locked up four years, really good deal for both parties. And there's a lot to like about Mark Andrews. Is he ever going to be a Travis Kelsey or George Kittle? No. I mean, he's kind of one of those guys that are definitely the next tier, you know, after Waller, Kelsey and Kittle. But, you know, it's good value. It helps raise that bar for tight ends. And I think that's what a lot of things get overlooked is how underpaid That tight end position really is in the NFL.
0: It doesn't really get talked about how hard a tight end is. I think that started to get some buzz in the offseason, like how difficult it is to play the position. Because at any given play, you could be crack blocking a defensive end and then rolling out and catching a pass and then getting lit up by that same t- end. <laughs> like, it's, it's a pretty crazy world to be a tight end, and you never really get the love you, you should get unless you're one of the elite of the elite. Um, but uh, Mark Andrews has 17 touchdowns over the last two seasons, and that's, um, that's the number one. I mean, you no know, one else has more tight uh, touchdowns as a tight end, and he's number eight. In the NFL overall in receiving tight ends, and that's pretty good. Yeah, um, well, I mean that's that's no joke. He's had 21 over 2100 receiving yards in his first two first three seasons. That's the fifth most by an NFL tight end in the last two decades. So the production is there for Mark Andrews. So the more you look into it, he, uh, he seems to be worth it. So um, congrats to Mark Andrews and Ravens. I mean, look, you don't have a great receiving court by any means. You need to, to lock up the pass catchers that you do have. So
1: oh come on, Marquise Brown is going to be solid.
0: This I is like Hollywood Brown, but it's still not the, the greatest receiving core. I mean, the Sammy Watkins experiment. Now, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And they got to do more for Lamar, and now J.K. Dobbins is hurt, so Mark Andrews might have an even bigger year than we than we realized this year. And they just added somebody too, Randy. Yeah, right before the show, it was announced that on Bell was signed to their practice squad. Uh, I assume he makes the roster pretty soon. Um, but overall, because I mean, they had injuries to Justice Hill on top of J.K. Dobbins, yeah. so that running back. Core is all get very thin very quickly. So, um, I don't know what Bell offers at this point, but uh, it's a veteran backup now for for Gus.
1: Yeah, n- not much, but yeah, you know,
0: it's a name. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, Matt, it is time. It is almost time for kickoff. on this Around this time in two days, we will be watching the NBC pregame show. The Bucs fans will be celebrating their rings and the, the banner. <laughs> and they're down there in Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay. I'm, I'm sick of Tampa Bay in Florida getting all the love. Vince Mercandeddy claiming and he brings all the luck to Florida. You know who really brings all the luck to Florida? Thomas Edward Brady. He <laughs> seems to bring the luck to no matter where he goes, no matter what city he's playing. And quite frankly, as long as it's not Boston, it's okay with me. But that's the game this week (laughs) on Thursday night, kicking off the season. The Tampa Bay Bucks, the reigning, defending, undisputed Super Bowl champions taking on America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. Matt Bushnell, give me your initial thoughts of this kickoff game.
1: Dallas is going to get murdered. (laughs) They're going to get murdered so bad. Oh Jesus! It is. It, this is literally like I know the Super Bowl hangover and everything, but this just feels like a bust. Uh, Dallas's defense is probably going to be one of the worst in the league again. Um, Mike McCarthy, who I have very little respect for as a head coach, is I. I think he draws up his video or his uh, game plans from a video game. Th- this. <laughs> th- this is going to get ugly pretty quickly. They don't know if Zach Martin's playing, and if you don't have Zach Martin against this defensive front. I mean, good good luck to you. Uh, Sue's back with them, right? They re-signed Sue. They re-signed.
0: Every starter that they had in the Super Bowl winning team is back. That has never happened before in NFL history.
1: Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, you got to deal with Shaq, Barrett, you know, just good luck. Good fucking luck on this one.
0: Um, I I mean, I I can give you a score, but I think we all know. (laughs) Well, I mean, I just wanted, you know, before we give a score, um, I, I do find it interesting to, like, the NFL still values the Cowboys as a brand so much to the fact that they ignore that for the last almost 30 years, the Cowboys have been sort of a punchline and a laughing stock of a team that has two playoff wins in the time since they last to won a Super Bowl. I know the Cowboys are still the star and they still have Jerry Jones and they're still the uniform, but they're not still that same team. Eventually, in 20 years, if the Yankees have still gone without a World Series, they are merely just a bunch of hairless guys who are wearing pinstripes. They are not the Yankees anymore. That's what the Cowboys feel like to me. They have a number 88. Great. I know that tradition. And C.D. Lamb's a hell of a player. But you have three uh, a three-headed wide receiver monster that you have there. Ezekiel Elliott, a decent, kind of bad offensive line, and then a quarterback who yeah. has an injury, mind you, that is not good to have when you're a quarterback. Uh, the shoulder lingering uh, soreness, where he couldn't throw, he had to do light throwing here and there. That to me is very alarming and makes me think the Cowboys could be in for a rough one here, and especially the kickoff, the kickoff game, and the season beyond. I don't trust the Cowboys for anything, and I think the Bucks are going to roll in this game. I, you know,
1: long-term prognosis for the Cowboys is I don't hate the roster. I, I think there are some good things there for this roster. I think they could do a lot of good things. However, my concern lies in the fact that week one, Dak, we don't know anything more about the shoulder. You know, it's like this shroud and secrecy of what's going on. Can Dak play? Is Dak going to be 100%? You know, it's nice to have a trio of wide receivers as good as Dallas. I love Gallup. I love C.D. Lamb, and I love Amari Cooper. Mm -hmm. And Amari Cooper loves Amari Cooper, too, because he just came out and said (laughs) he's the best wide receiver in football. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But here's the thing. One, if, if you have to get in shootouts, you better have a good offensive line, and you better not play against a team that can rush the passer. Excuse me. And we saw what happened in the Super Bowl when Patrick Mahomes didn't have any time to throw the football. That offense overall was a lot better than Dallas's offense, and now you're going to take that same Tampa Bay defense in Tampa Bay against the Cowboys. It, to me, everything screams that this is just the worst matchup possible. Goodwin, uh, Mike Evans, Gronk is there, Fournette, Ronald Jones, um, Scotty Miller. Like everything about the Bucks is just offensively loaded. And the Dallas's Dallas's defense is just holes everywhere. It feels yeah. like that defense is just putting bubble gum on those holes that are taken on water. I, yeah, this is this is a bad matchup for Dallas long term. Randy, I don't know. It like it really depends on Dak. If Dak is, 100%. if he's not healthy all year, this is this team's picking in the top five.
0: Well, that would be a shame, wouldn't it? Uh, <laughs> Look, I think both of these secondaries can be had. I think Tampa's secondary is not that great. I think they are in enhanced by the pass rush in the front seven. I think that's the same thing that happened with the Giants when they won the Super Bowls back in the day. So I think Dallas could be competitive in this game. I think this. I would take the over if you're a betting man. Yeah. But ultimately, I think the Bucks cover. So I'm going to say my official prediction, it's not going to be as big of a blowout as you think. Maybe the score looks closer than the game actually was. But I'm going to go Tampa 41, Dallas 27 two touchdowns
1: yeah which i think is normal I, I think the best thing for dallas is to get down a little bit early get down like 14 nothing and maybe that makes tampa bay a little bit complacent thinking mm. you know they're going to roll in this game but you know i, I think it's going to end up being 37 to 20 tampa bay i, I just okay. think tampa bay is going to score some touchdowns in the second half and without zach martin and i know mike mccarthy said he might be able to play i i just i can't see them blocking up all four of those guys. I think Shaq Barrett's going to get at least two sacks this game.
0: Yeah. It's important, important to note that Zach Martin, one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL, will be out, supposedly will be out with COVID-19. Um and that's a big blow. And well, you know what the thing is? I feel like Tom Brady never has to experience these sort of things. <laughs> the Bucks are fully healthy; they don't have any issues. You know, Brady's ready to go. The, the offensive line, all the weapons—like the Bucks are just so loaded. When you look back, and yeah. like, how do they get away with having this good of a team? And then Bruce Arians is still a really good coach. Yeah. And it, it feels like such a coaching mismatch against Mike McCarthy, who is trying to hype his team up by watching Austin Powers movies and telling them to have their mojo, as if this is 1997. Again. Uh to me, this is just a mismatch. Uh bad matchup for the Cowboys early on. I think the Bucks come out fired up. Brady always fired up. Uh, You know, that's not you know, not even a surprise there. But two touchdowns. I think that's safe to say the Bucks start their reign as defending champs. One to know.
1: Yeah, man, I I agree. I and I'll say this: this game will not be indicative of dallas's season unless Dak is you know hurt. Dallas can easily bounce back. I don't think they're a bad football team. I don't think they're a good football team, but you know, I wouldn't take Week One to heart if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan.
0: You can't ever, and because Ricky, as he points out, Ricky Velasquez in the in the comment section, you can't just assume that everyone's in midseason form Week One. A lot of things change. <laughs> you know, even the first two weeks, a team um, still getting into their groove. Um, so I don't take any over overreaction to week. One is always one of my favorite traditions to see on Monday. Oh, our season's over. Look at Dak Prescott goes down and is out for the year. Your season's over if you're a Cowboys fan, yeah. but if you come out, you look okay. Dak looks good. And you'd be a little optimistic coming out of this game. And, and I'll, I'll say
1: this, what makes Tampa Bay different, Ricky, in regards to that, I know we said me season form is that they, they've already gelled last year. Everyone's back. That's yeah. what makes Tampa Bay different. Like, Tom has an idea of where guys are going to be now. You know, the blockers know where to block. Everyone kind of is getting a feeling of where they want it. Tampa Bay had this experiment last year. This year, when everyone comes back, it's all systems go. Well,
0: that's the reports coming out of Tampa, too, is that they didn't really play that well (laughs) last year for a lot of the season. And they kind of got lucky. caught a few breaks in the playoffs and ended up playing their best game in the Super Bowl. There's a chance that we see the Bucs look even better this year, and it's kind of scary to think about. Yep. Great. All right. Well, that's the kickoff on Thursday night. Cannot wait to hear Alan Chris on the call. I'm just so excited to hear that NBC football music again. Um, That's just going to be a great time. All right, we're moving on to Sunday. The early slate, and it was so ex- I was so happy to write this out, Matt. You know, every yeah. last year I get this, you know, early slate means one o'clock games on the East Coast, 10 a.m. games where you are, maybe not where you are. Do you have a weird 10 a.m. Um, daylight savings time thing with you? I don't know how it works over there in Arizona. But nonetheless, these are the first games that kick off on your Sunday, no matter where you live. One o'clock for me here in upstate New York. So let's get into it. Oh, <laughs> Let's get. we're going to go a little quicker with these games in the kickoff game. But uh, number one on the list is the Philadelphia Eagles going to Atlanta to take on the <laughs> Atlanta Falcons. And this is a matchup of two brand new head coaches, one veteran quarterback, one new quarterback, And overall, uh, pretty uh, mediocre defenses. So this to me feels like uh, it's an interesting matchup because I don't know what these new coaches are going to bring to the table here. Um, The the Falcons intrigue me on an offensive from an offensive standpoint and the Eagles intrigue me uh, a little bit. because I like the quarterback and I do think they have a lot of valuable veterans on their team. But I do think that could backfire eventually. Um, What do you make of this uh, week one matchup here? I mean, I think this has happened a few times recently.
1: This is the Calvin Ridley welcome to elite wide receiver one status game. Um, I I like Atlanta in this game a lot. I actually like Atlanta this year for a couple of different reasons. One, my my favorite coaching hire was Robert Sala to the Jets. I I thought that by far was the biggest one, but not far behind. And I mean, not far behind at all was Arthur Smith to the Falcons. Absolutely. He was the architect of Ryan Tannehill's turnaround. He incorporated A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, got Derrick Henry going again. Like, all systems go for Atlanta. I I love this offense. I love Kyle Pitts. I I think Calvin Ridley, though, is going to be the star of this show. Calvin Ridley is going to make a lot of people kind of see, well, I guess you could have got rid of Julio. So. Mm -hmm. To to me, the biggest downfall for Atlanta, I keep on going back to it, is their defense, defense, defense. There is nothing that this defense can do to stop somebody. But thank goodness they're playing the Eagles because the Eagles don't have a lot of things offensively to score points. So I think uh, Atlanta cruises in this one.
0: And you're going to see Darius Slay line up against Calvin Ridley and Darius Slay's coming off of a forgettable season. Yeah. So I think you're going to see Ridley absolutely say, hey, Julio who? Uh, you're not going to miss Julio very much with Calvin Ridley running on the show there. And he's just another Alabama product. <laughs> doing great things in the NFL. These guys seem to come out of nowhere. Um, But your point about Arthur Smith, subsequently, one of my least favorite hires happened in Philadelphia. Uh, (laughs) They brought in Nick Sirianni, the offensive coordinator with the Colts, who we all know Frank Reich is calling the plays over there in Indianapolis. And I don't know what this guy brings. I think he was on the Eagles staff when they won the Super Bowl. So he has that relationship already with uh, Jeffrey Lurie and Harry Roseman. Um, But still... (laughs) To me, this comes down to the Jalen Hurts-Siriani connection here. Um, what, can, what kind of offense are they going to run? I could see this being the battle of the Alabama wide receivers because it could be Calvin Ridley against Devontae Smith, the rookie wide receiver, making his NFL debut in this game as well because the Falcons' defense is not going to make it that complicated for the Eagles in this game. So for me, if I'm Philly and I'm implementing a new offense with a young quarterback, new receivers, and a new head coach, this is the team you want to play. It's in a dome. You don't have to worry about any weather conditions. I like the Eagles offense to play well in this game, but I also think the Falcons offense is going to play better. Long story short here, I'm going to say take the over, (laughs) but I like the home team here. Um, If I'm going to put a prediction on it, I'll say Falcons um, 35, Eagles 31. I just think both these teams are going to score a lot of points and the defense is going to be much to be desired.
1: Yeah, for me, I I like the Falcons here. Home field advantage is one thing. I think Arthur Smith is a complete culture changer, and it kind of gives a breath of fresh air. I I know they got rid of Julio, and they got rid of a couple of other players as well. That stench from that Super Bowl really just kind of carried over into last year as well. Like, every lead that they had, they just kept on blowing. And I think Arthur Smith is kind of a game changer in that regard because he's going to run the football. He's going to do everything he can to protect the leads. So for me... I like Atlanta. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I do think there's going to be a lot of points scored. I'm going to go 31 to 27 Atlanta. And real quick, Randy, um, do we have time? Ricky's asking us our top five wide receivers in the NFL this year. And I think after the top three, it's pretty academic.
0: Yeah, I mean, all right. I think we can agree on the top three. DeAndre Hopkins, Stephon Diggs. uh, And then um, (laughs) what's the third guy? I can't think of the third guy. Devontae Adams. Uh, Devontae Adams, thank you. But I, I at that point, you, if you've gone to four. You could say AJ Brown. You could say DK Metcalf. You could say, but I think Calvin Ridley is in that five area. Oh, yeah. I, I don't even think it's that, that controversial to say. I just think he's that damn good. So for me, I might even put him four because I just think the sky's the limit for this guy. I love his talent. I love his speed. I love his hands. It's route running. He's just not the biggest guy ever, but that doesn't matter to me. So for me, it's Adams. It's Hopkins. It is um, Diggs. And then I'm going to go Ridley. And then I will go A.J. Brown because I think A.J. Brown is an absolute stud.
1: Yeah, I, I'm going to go You know, a little bit off the same top four. But instead of A.J. Brown at five, I'm going to go Allen Robinson at five just because this man has played with such shitty quarterbacks. And the fact that he can throw up a thousand yards every damn year, you know, I I like Allen Robinson a lot. And hopefully Justin Fields is the answer for this team. So we can see Allen Robinson's true value because he might put up a hundred, a hundred receptions and fifteen hundred
0: yards. You need to convince me on Allen Robinson. I love that, man. Uh, All right. So we're going to move on now to Western New York where the Pittsburgh Steelers, who we just talked a little bit about with T.J. Watt, are traveling to Orchard Park to play the Buffalo Bills. And I, I live in New York. I work around a lot of Bills fans and the excitement around the Bills, this Bills team is at an all-time high. Even when they were in the AFC title game, I think there, were, there was a lot of doubt. I don't think they really believed they could beat the Chiefs. This year, their expectations for the Bills are Super Bowl. And I still think that's kind of crazy. I don't think they're better than the Chiefs. Uh, I think, you know, if they made it to the AFC title game again, they should be happy about that. But I can't help but to think that a Josh Allen regression is imminent because the way he played last year is hard to sustain. And if he did get better, he would be Patrick Mahomes and the Bills <laughs> would win the Super Bowl. So either the Bills take a step back or we're looking at maybe perhaps the you know Super Bowl champions in 2022.
1: Yeah, I have to take a look at the Steelers on this one. I, I think with the issues with TJ Watt, and then you're counting on a very old Ben Roethlisberger mustering up some of that, and let's face it, um, I think the Bills' defense isn't the best in the world, but they're still good, and they're coached really well. Um, I, I really like Sean McDermott as a head coach. I love Mike Tomlin as a head coach, but I think sometimes as a head coach, you kind of you you know your your message wears thin within the organization it kind of gets this stale feeling Uh, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season in Pittsburgh so to me I think this is going to be a very interesting season I you know I'm a believer in Josh Allen I can't believe I'm saying it
0: I can't believe those words just came out of your mouth
1: yeah uh, (laughs) it, it hurts to say but
0: it's not to say that the regression even means that he's bad. It's just yeah. a little bit of a step back from where he played last year, which will still be a damn good quarterback. It's just hard to maintain that high level of play.
1: Yeah, I mean, Lamar Jackson took a step back last year. Yeah. So to me, I, I, think, I think the Bills win this one. Um, Corey took the words right out of my mouth. He has the Bills 28 to 14 in the chat. I'm taking the Bills 28 to 14 as well. I think the Bills are that All good. Right.
0: Uh, I I mean, the Bills' defense is solid. I think I like the Gregory Russo uh, draft pick more than I thought I was going to. He's really played well in in camp and in preseason. Um, I I just think Pittsburgh's not going to really fade away into the darkness quite yet. I do think the offense has potential. Big Ben lost a bunch of weight, which is like the first time he ever did that. The arm still looks like it's okay. You still have Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson. I mean, there's pass catchers that are there, and they really love this Friermuth tight end kid. Who I don't know. I don't. I don't trust rookie tight ends by any means. But Big Ben, if you're going to stare at him in the red zone, he's always had a successful tight ends that catch touchdowns. And then Najee Harris. I hate rookie first round <laughs> running backs. You pick a guy 24. I'm a little bit more accepting of it than I would have been if you picked him in the top 10. The only concerns I have about Najee Harris is he might lead the NFL in overall touches, but the offensive line is not very good. Uh, It's fine. It's just not like, it's not elite by any means. So I don't know um, if he's going to have a ton of lanes to run through what that situation is going to be like. Maybe they'll utilize him more in the screen game. Overall, I do think Harris is good. He's going to have a good year, a nice, a nice rookie season, but I worry about the surroundings of him a little bit long story short. I do think the Steelers make this an interesting game. I don't think this is a two-touchdown game. I think Josh Allen is just prone enough to be making some mistakes here and there to keep the teams in games. So um, I'll say 27 Bills, 24 Steelers, in a really good opening game. Wow. Okay. I, do, I don't love the Steelers this year, but I do think week one everyone gets fired up and they play above themselves and maybe the Bills. Mind you, the Bills two years ago were, up, were losing to the Jets 14-0 on opening day. Yeah. <laughs> and they came back and won uh, because of an injury on the Jets. So the Bills are not necessarily a world beater uh, in week one always. All right, moving on now to the, probably the stinker of the week. I am one of the stinkers of the week. These, these next two are pretty stinkers, I would say. Uh, We're going to go to South Ohio, I believe. I don't know my geography that well, but the Minnesota Vikings traveling to your favorite state, Matt Bush, Ohio, (laughs) to play the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, And the Bengals, all reports out of camp this year is that Joe Burrow coming off of his injury is so well protected. Oh wait, no, that's not what's happening. No, <laughs> Joe Burrow is a dead man walking with the Bengals, And he, I cannot believe that they, this is almost uh, operation, like organizational malpractice what they're doing to Joe Burrow. Cause he looked so good and looked like he was the franchise quarterback coming out of that draft. He gets hurt because of his offensive line, well, mainly because Chase Young, but also the offensive line. And they didn't do really much about it. They had a chance to, t- to take Finney Sewell and they didn't do it. And here we are with Jamar Chase, who has a case of the dropsies already. So that doesn't look too good. I'm just so down on the Bengals this year. And we could be looking at them picking top three again this year. So just by default, I'm going to have to go Vikings in this game. All
1: right. You know, it's always nice to see a division rival just get a cupcake week one. You know, that, <laughs> that that's always the pleasure of week one, right? Minnesota's gonna roll. There's so many issues. And it's southwest Ohio. Cincinnati's on that
0: west. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That little border of Indiana, Kentucky kind of area. Blueville, right. Yeah. that's right You're down the river. Yep. So to, to me, it, it this is just going to be a blowout. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, they're too much. Um, I, I don't love I, I think Minnesota's a little bit overrated, but this game is only gonna inflate that hype. To me, Randy. Oh, Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, people always buy high on Minnesota and I get the hype, you know, you see a lot of good things from them. They got a lot of names, but to me, you still got Kirk Cousins as your quarterback, but what's one thing Kirk Cousins is really good at doing. He beats the living piss out of bottom feeders. (laughs) To me, this is going to be a 34 to kind of 13 game I I know it's a lot of points. Week one, the Bengals seem to be a mess. I don't love their head coach. And I just think, you know, this is the beginning of the end for this Cincinnati regime. I think the owner's not going to be very happy with them taking a wide receiver. And for as good as Jamar Chase may end up, the fact that you just passed on offensive linemen when you needed that the most, it's criminal. So Vikings big win here.
0: Yeah, I love the Vikings weapons. Uh, How do you not love the combination of Cook, Thielen, and Jefferson? It is an elite trio of weapons. Uh, Irv Smith going down is a big blow, but they do trade for Chris Herndon. So maybe he his career can be a little revitalized. Uh, I think Kirk Cousins is probably the best quarterback he's played with at this point, which is sad, but still uh, a thing. The Vikings defense might be sneaky solid too. So, um, I do expect them to linger throughout the season. I don't know if they're a playoff team, but I do think they're going to be around that. Uh, they're going to be in that in the hunt graphic come november you know you always want to have your team at least in there <laughs> and the vikings fans will definitely have that uh this is going to be a popular survivor pick as well this week week one is always very hard in survivor to do it's it's i, I feel like i've lost so many times week one because i overthink it this one i hate to i don't want to take a team on the road but the Bengals feel like they're a team you're going to pick against quite a bit this year so yeah they're give me the vikings i'm going to say 28 to 16 in a smooth sailing victory for minnesota uh, the next survivor game that I chose um, is also the, another stinker, but I'm the San Francisco 49ers are traveling to Detroit to play the lions. And our, our friendly on Tompkins is probably going to say top five offense, whatever, but this is a bad matchup for the lions right out of the gate here. I think the niners come out and, and Kyle Shanahan has this team ready to go. Typically when you're a run first offense, you're, you're it's easier to run your offense earlier on in the season. You have Jimmy G back, your offensive line's good, ready to go. You're healthy to me the Niners oh, on paper should roll the Lions team and I don't know what to make of them with Dan Campbell and Jared Goff so um I'm just pretty down on the lines overall this year this feels like a route
1: you no know, Randy it's funny that you bring up that week one issue in Survivor um to me I, I was looking at the schedule just kind of looking around and this game kind of gave me a weird vibe it's like man, oh. th- th- there's something about this game and week one is famous for stupid upsets like, upsets that do not make any sense. Motor City, Dan Campbell, they're ready to go. They're a little no, fiery. Do they're a little feisty. Um, <laughs> what's the spread, though? I mean, that's the biggest question. The 49ers got to be favored by probably four or five points, I would imagine, on the road. But San Francisco will win this game 34. 30- no, I'm not going to go 30. San are going to win this game 21 to 20 with a last-minute wow. field goal.
0: The 49ers. Don't do that to me. That'll be. The 49ers be will not young. score
1: a touchdown this game. The 49ers wow. will go touchdown-less.
0: Oh boy, that'll give me heart palpitations. Uh, in 2019, by the way, I took the Seahawks Week One in Survivor, and they played the Bengals at home. <laughs> oh God. Andy Dalton, Bengals. They won twenty to nineteen with a last-second field goal, barely allowing my Survivor pick to hang on. So this is a a thing that happens every year with me in Survivor. So don't be surprised if the Niners barely win this game. Yeah, Uh, a little
1: feisty. You know those those new coach teams, little fiery, little fiery.
0: (laughs) Dan Campbell's trying to give me Joe Judge vibes. I don't know what to think of it. His heart might explode on the sideline for how much <laughs> caffeine he drinks on a regular basis. I don't know what to make of Dan Campbell. He's eating limbs. I don't know. I, I have no idea what the deal is with this guy. Yeah, he's biting off kneecaps. I, I, he's weird. Um, but the, the idea of Dan Campbell trying to inspire Jared Goff to do something is just <laughs> hilarious to me. <laughs> This California cool surfer dude is just going to go out there and do what he wants anyway, Uh, run the play as basic and simple as possible and just move on and be like, oh, we're good, man. Yeah, what up? And then that's it. And to me, I just think the Niners are going to roll in this game. I don't don't think they're going to score a ton of points. I think they're just going to run the ball, ball control, let their defense dominate. Um, I'm kind of thinking I like Corey Decker 17 to seven. I'm going to go 21 to seven here. Just two touchdowns, just not going to run up the score or anything, but I do like them to win easily.
1: Here's a Bushnell special, everyone. Take it to the bank. Jared Goff will have a better week one than Matthew Stafford.
0: Ooh, all right. Well, that's something for the record books there in the comment section. Someone keep track of that. Uh, all right so we're gonna move on and this is gonna be an important segment of the show for our friend cory decker um arizona cardinals traveling to nashville tennessee to play on the to play the titans um titans without arthur smith um with within with julio jones with i would say a pretty bad defense and the cardinals coming in with cliff i don't trust you kingsbury and exciting kyler murray who could be an mvp candidate if everything broke well this year uh I love the Cardinals offense until it comes time to actually make things happen. When the, when the going gets rough, I don't trust cliff Kingsbury. I don't trust anything except for when Kyler's rolling to his left and just throws the ball up for Deandre Hopkins. That's the only time I trust them in a key situation. I don't know if they can run the ball consistently. I don't know how good their offensive line is. And like I said, Cliff Kingsbury, I definitely don't trust at all. With that said, they're playing a team of the Titans. I don't trust it all either <laughs> because I don't know what to make of them anymore without Arthur Smith. Uh, I still love Ryan Tannehill. I love the AJ Brown Julio connection. And then Derrick Henry. Obviously, we talked about trios earlier with the Vikings. This is a damn good trio in its own right. Uh, and I do think they'll still be successful. But I just, the value of Arthur Smith, I think, is going to be severely missed on this team. You look at this matchup, Matt, this just feels like a game that's going to have a ton of chaos in it.
1: Yeah, that's the perfect word to describe this game chaotic, chaotic, because I think this is the one week for well, both these offenses are supposedly in name high powered. Yeah, Julio's, you know, is questionable to play this week. I think we all know every week that Julio's ever played in the NFL has been questionable. It feels like <laughs>
0: seriously.
1: <laughs> so I'm counting on Julio to play. I, I think what I'm going to go here is I think there's going to be several lead changes. I, I think there can anywhere be between seven to ten lead changes in this game. I, I think both defenses will allow some points. My standard rule of thumb is anytime a team has to travel out of their time zone to a long distance, jet lag's real. I mean, I think it's a mm-hmm. two-hour difference because I think Nashville operates off Central. No, does Nashville?
0: Central. I think they're Central.
1: Central? Okay, that makes sense. So it's going to be a little bit of jet lag. It's going to be a 10, a 10, 8, 8 a.m. Game for the Cardinals playing football as a professional at 10 a.m. Is not fun. It takes your body a little bit to get used to it. I like the Titans here. I think the Titans win the game, the home team, not having to travel, not have to travel time zones to that degree. Give me the Titans in this one. um, 34 to 31.
0: This feels like a game where the Titans come out hot and go jump out to a 10, maybe 14-point lead right out of the gate and, like, get Derrick Henry established. Maybe Julio takes one of the house. Maybe A.J. Brown makes a nice play. But, like, when when Derrick Henry gets going here, who on the Cardinals is going to stop him? <laughs> like, to me, you need to put them in a situation where they're not being able to run the ball. If you could put your, pin your ears back and let Chandler Jones rush the passer uh, and, and let Isaiah Simmons maybe get some blitzes in here and there, you're better off that way. If you're down and they could just pound Eric Henry all day long, what are the Cardinals going to do about that? Are they even capable on defense of stopping that? I, I don't know how many teams are, honestly. So to me, this is a bad matchup for the Cardinals in that aspect. So I do think the Cardinals battle back in this game after getting down big, but I do think they fall short. So I'll say the Titans 30 cardinals 27 uh that's a late drama with some weird plays some crazy plays some kyler magic and overall uh the titans just coming out on top at home
1: yeah i, I, th- I think the issue here that we also need to delve into is like the james Conner chase Edmonds dynamic at running back i think it's worse than it was last year with Kenyon drake could be wrong i like chase Edmonds, kind of iffy but for as much love as we give the cardinals and we talk about their points randy do we trust AJ green as their number two? I mean, no. even, even last year, Larry Fitzgerald, I, I would rather have Larry Fitzgerald than AJ green. AJ green's been injury riddled and Christian Kirk seems to be, and you know, he just seems to be that slot guy. Rondale Moore is going to be a key piece here. That's
0: you know, the guy I, I was going to mention. But.
1: Yeah. I, I just, I don't, well, he's five foot eight. You can't stick him on yeah. the outside. He's a slot guy. I, I I, I don't love this Cardinal receiving court outside of DeAndre Hopkins. It's been a real, this is a Steve Kime issue. He, he misses on draft picks way too much for this team to ever have sustained success. And they basically hung Kyler Murray out to dry. Uh, n- n- not a
0: fan. Yeah, well, and that combination with Cliff Kingsbury is just not going too well. And for for Corey's sake, I do hope that it's Christian Kirk as the number two guy. This needs to be the Christian Kirk coming out party for for sure in Arizona. Um, All right, we're going to move on now. It's enough of the Cardinals for now. Uh, That game I'm excited to watch. I just think that's going to be very entertaining. And to to the comments, Matt, I don't know if you're paying attention, um, Emmanuel Davila asks if the West Coast games are not usually at 10 a.m. He never really realized. I assume because they're on at four o'clock here that that means they start at one o'clock on the West Coast. But um, usually if the West Coast team's traveling to the East Coast, your game's at 10 a.m., right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. If if the Arizona Cardinals were traveled to the New York football Giants and it's a one o'clock start time Eastern, it's 10 a.m. West Coast
0: time. I need to live in the West coast. That sounds amazing. All right. Cause <laughs> so I wake up at 10 and I just hate waiting three hours for football. All right. Um, where am I now? Okay. Uh, division rival for the Cardinals. Now the Seattle Seahawks also going on the road to play an AFC South opponent in Indian- the Indianapolis Colts. The Seahawks always seem to start the season on the road somewhere. Um, I normally don't like the Seahawks traveling, but this isn't to the East coast completely. It's not Washington. It's, it's not Carolina. It's, a little bit more Central America. So, Central America, <laughs> uh, the center of the Ameri- American states here. Uh, words are very important when you, when you speak out loud. Uh, anyway, the Seahawks traveling, I would be more worried about it later in the season. Week one, I think it's okay. They're probably well rested. They're playing in a dome, not the most intimidating defense ever. But overall, the Colts are pretty consistent. And I still love Frank Reich. The biggest question for me about the Colts, There's the quarterback. What are you going to get from Carson Wentz? What are you going to get from the offense in general? Do Do you trust Jonathan Taylor? I don't know if I do. Is Michael Pittman your number one? If so, is that going to work? I don't know. There are a lot of questions offensively for me, for the Colts, besides the offensive line, which I think is great. So to me, Seattle just has a lot more talent, especially on offense, and it should be enough to win this game.
1: Man, you talk about a game that I just hate. Like To me, this is a game you stay away from. You don't bet it you just let it slip right by on the schedule because to me the deficiencies on both teams last year I really liked the Colts I thought you know they had enough I love the DeForest Buckner trade but the more I look at this offense and if there's one thing I hate Randy I hate a coward because cowards run when there's a fight and Carson Wentz is the biggest coward in the NFL the fact that his feelings are so fragile as a starting NFL quarterback that you can't handle a trade for Nick Foles that you had to leave Philadelphia because a what a second round pick they drafted a quarterback in the second round. You you, you wanna know what you do. You, you you know what the alpha males do at the quarterback position, Randy. They play better, they don't yeah. let yeah, Th- they make sure those guys never see the field. But nope. Oh, no. Carson Wentz. No, 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 buddy. No one's backing me up. Why why don't you get that practice squad wide receiver from the Broncos last year that had to start a game? I'm sure Carson Wentz would love that. You know, just hand him the job so he never has to play that. He'd
0: probably be intimidated by Kendall Hinton, too, by the way.
1: Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And I, I, you know, leadership matters in the NFL leadership at the most important position, because you know what every other player sees they have to compete for their job that they have to beat out other guys to maintain that they see this quarterback, Carson Wentz, who really hasn't proved anything after that MVP season. And if you start taking a look at some of the advanced numbers by, um, Oh God, I think it's pro football focus. I'll get the name later, but the variance, he threw the most 50, 50 balls that year that went to the Eagles when he won the MVP, I do not like Carson Wentz. I do not like this Colts team because of him. I'm taking the Seahawks, and I think it's going to be a dogfight. I don't – you know, like I said, I'd stay away from this. To me, it feels like it's going to be like a three-point game somewhere in there. So I say Seattle 20, Indianapolis 17.
0: The Seahawks never make it easy. I mean, let's be real here. I mean, they're great, but they win these close games always. It doesn't seem like they really blow people out anymore. They don't have the defense really to blow people out anymore. But – I didn't know this was going to be the eviseration of Carson Wentz, but I'm here for it. (laughs) Uh, Like you said, until 2017 feels like ages ago uh, compared to where we are now with him. And he just has a very beta face even. You look at it and it's ginger, it's soft, you know, he's got the the red hair. Like, all right, right, I'm, I'm over the Carson Wentz thing. I think he has great arm talent. I think he has great overall quarterback ability. Um, but the killer mindset is something that you need to have. Uh, I know we talk about clutch and uh, competitiveness a lot, and, and, and those things are tangible. They're hard to put on paper and establish, but you've seen time and time again, Carson Wentz cannot handle it. So maybe Frank Reich, being reunited with him helps. It's important to note that the 2017 season happened with Frank Reich at, at calling the plays. So uh, I think that could be good for Carson Wentz. But overall, the weapons are not the same. Uh, I think what Reich would really have to work some ma- magic and rely on the run game, which would be smart anyway. But overall, the Colts just feel like back in the day, probably 2015, they used to call when they ranked quarterbacks, the middle of the pack, the Dalton zone. Yes. Andy Dalton was like the very most average quarterback in the league. To me, the Colts feel like the most average team in the NFL, and I want to like them more than I do, but they just leave a lot to be desired. Like, I wish they had more talent around them, and they just feel like they're overall going to be eight and eight. I mean, they can't go eight and eight anymore, but maybe they'll go eight, eight and one. And that's just what feels like the Colts' destiny is to me. Eight and a half and eight and a half. Yeah. Yeah, helps it play in the AFC South. But uh, I'm going to say Seahawks win this game 23-21 to in an ugly game that Russell Wilson pulls out of his ass because he's Mr. Unlimited, and that's what he does.
1: He's an alpha, though.
0: Yeah, yeah he is. That's right. Uh, <laughs> he's not afraid of the moment. He will throw that interception at the goal line, and he will say, God told me to do it. Uh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, no shots at anyone who just you know, religious. All right. We got another, uh, I mean, I, I love this game, but I don't, one of these teams is going to have to travel regardless, but we have the Los Angeles chargers. No quarter for me today. The Los Angeles chargers <laughs> traveling to play the football team of Landover, Maryland. I mean, the Washington football team, and this is a great matchup week one. I think, uh, I, I if you followed this show throughout the summer, you know how much I love Justin Herbert, full bloom love. Dave got once said full bloom love with Justin Herbert. Um, you might hear more about that a little later from me. Uh, and then the Washington football team, I have a bet for them to win the, the NFC East. I have a bet for them over 10 and a half. And I have a bet, which is less likely, but for them to represent the NFC in the title game against whoever. Um, that was just based on long shot alone. I don't actually believe that's going to happen, but I'm all in on the Washington football team and I love the Chargers quarterback. I love this matchup.
1: Man, yeah, this, it's almost like trying to pick your favorite kid in this matchup, Randy. <laughs> yeah. So who is it? Um, you know what? I, I, I like Washington a lot. Defense travels either way, home or away. It doesn't matter. Chase Young's that dude. Um, I get a lot of LT vibes from yeah. Chase Young just being so disruptive and being a man on the football field playing against little boys. The Chargers offensive line worries me. I love the Rashawn Slater pick. I think that was a home run pick for them, but still it's a rookie. Going against Chase Young. Well, let's say that one more time. A rookie going against Chase Young. Um, mm-hmm. ugh, yeah, that's not going to be pretty. To me, I Washington's defense is really good. They're coached really well. They have a good leader as their head coach. I don't love their quarterback. He's very prone to mistakes. But I'm going to go Washington here, Randy. I'm going to take Washington 19 to the Chargers 17.
0: Yeah, I think you're on point there. Um, Look, Chase Young, I don't need to say anything about him. The guy's an absolute man-child freak of nature almost killed Joe Burrow on the field last year. <laughs> the <laughs> Washington defense as a whole is just going to be so monstrous. And and I've said it time and time again, and it, it's a popular criticism on giants Twitter right now that, Oh, you're going to believe in a team with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Okay. Well, Ryan Fitzpatrick was an upgrade compared to what they had a quarterback last year. Let's stop ignoring that fact. Like they had a terrible quarterback situation last year and somehow I know it's still not ideal, but Ryan Fitzpatrick has solidified that. So to me, Washington is, going to be really good. And this is, um, like you said, the offensive line for the Chargers should be better, but it's still not maybe not be ready yet. Um, Brian Balaga has been in and out of practices. I think they're relying a ton on him to be that bet on the line that might not be sustainable. Uh, as much as I love Herbert, I think you're right. Going to Washington is a bad matchup with the defense as good as it is, and I do think it's a dogfight. So I think Washington wins 20-16 to 16 in this game in Landover and starts 1-0, and then they get the Giants on Thursday night in a quick turnaround. So uh, I still think that's going to be a great game, and I can't wait to watch it. I hope they wear the yellow pants on the Charger uniforms. All right. <laughs> uniform matchup is a big deal to me. I don't know why. I don't know anyone really else thinks about that. But I do love uniform matchups. All right, Matt, um, real barn burner here, but revenge game on the line, mind you. It is the New York Jets traveling to Carolina to play the Panthers, (laughs) and it is Sam Darnold right away getting a chance against his old team here. Robert Salah, Matt Rule, this game on paper, not the sexiest of all matchups, but when you you say, hey – if Darnold's going to be the guy that we all thought he was going to be when he was initially drafted, it's time for him to start showing it. And I guess this former team, I guess that's juicy enough for me to be interested.
1: I'm interested, and I think it's going to be, like, to, to me, there's a handful of games where you just flip a coin, and that's probably who's going to win this game. Really, it's 50-50. I don't love Darnold. I've been, I, I've been beating that drum. To me, Darnold is the same quarterback he's always been. I, I've seen the same quarterback at USC. That I saw in his first year with the Jets that I saw with his second year with the Jets that I saw with his third year with the Jets now we can criticize Adam Gase but you only had Gase for two years he had Todd Bowles and then he had um I think Lane Kiffin for a year at USC if I remember correctly I'll have to do a uh, double check on I don't that.
0: remember what the coaching situation was it Clay Helton then still
1: I oh, got the Clay the Clay Helton years at USC ladies and gentlemen where yeah. insignificant football was played <laughs> um you know I, it doesn't it doesn't matter to me cuz Sam Darnold's just that that guy he's going to throw a bunch of interceptions he's going to make a ton of dumb throws he'll he'll make one of like a couple plays throughout the course of a couple of weeks i'd be like oh man that's my guy i heard it from jets fans all for all the time for the past three years oh well he's doing this now watch out for sam darnold and you and i were like no no we're not going to watch out for sam Darnold because he's garbage um when it comes to nfl quarterbacks sam darnold is that beta right along with carson wentz a ginger so to me (laughs) you know I like Robert Sala here a lot. This is an attitude adjustment for the Jets. It's a new era. To me, I don't believe in the Panthers. I, I know people are going to say, you know, you know, it's the Panthers, yeah, Matt Rule. I like Robert Sala a hell of a lot more than I like Matt Rule because I think passionate coaches, I, you know, something about coaches that have coached in the NFL, that have inspired grown men in a football game, to win and to take that challenge. To me, Robert Sala said all the right things during the offseason, all his quotes, everything that he said was right on point. To me, this is a game changer. I'm taking the Jets 24 to 13 over the Panthers.
0: Wow. wow. That's our first upset of the show. Wow. All right. Well, I'm not telling you I love Sam Darnold, but this is what I love. I love DJ Moore, I love Robbie Anderson. I love Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I like parts of the offensive line. I love Brian Burns. Uh, I think the defense could be sneaky for Carolina. Um, And the uncertainty of Darnold is similar for me with the uncertainty with Zach Wilson. So to me, you must, you're saying by your prediction that you believe more in Zach Wilson today than you believe in Sam Darnold at all, which I don't necessarily fault you because Zach Wilson hasn't shown you that he's incapable of developing as a quarterback. The Jets, I do agree about Salah. I think he is the legit. I think he's going to establish something with the Jets, but I think it's hard to do that immediately. I still think the Jets lack talent. I do think that they uh, there are still issues with the offensive line. The running situation, the, the back end of the defense still needs work as well. I just think the Jets are in a rebuilding situation. They'll keep it competitive. I do think they'll have some 2020 Giants vibes to them where they're in every game. But I do like the Panthers to pull away with a win. I think it's ugly. I think it's Panthers 20, Jets 17. But I do think that it could be a pick fest, honestly. I could see Darnold throwing three. I could see Wilson throwing a pair. I like, There may be a ton of turnovers in this game. But I do think Carolina is just a better team right now.
1: I just with Mosley coming back at linebacker, it's such a game changer for that Jets defense. And Zach Wilson's, or, no, I'm sorry, Zach Wilson, Z, uh, Sam Darnold's football stupid. So,
0: yeah, uh, I'm going to see if the Jets can do the can can establish the run there. I do think because I uh, you know Jacob in the comments you know. Uh, it said a Moses Beckton Tucker fan? They do have some players on the offensive line. I wonder if the how the if it's Tevin Coleman to start because the Salah connection. And we'll see what happens with Michael Carter and then yeah. Ty Johnson. So as long as you're not giving Frank Gore carries anymore, you should be better off. But I'm interested to see how that plays out. Uh, all right, the last early game and it's a doozy, <laughs> Matt <laughs> Uh, You think about the great matchups of all time in the NFL and this one is up there among the greats. No, I'm kidding. It is the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, traveling to Houston to play the Texans in an AFC South showdown. Uh, Terod Taylor getting the start, as I mentioned earlier on the show. Um, I'm not going to take too long on this. As much as I dislike Urban Meyer as a head coach, I dislike David Culley even more. Uh, the Texans are going to be – just the worst team in the league, and I don't think it's particularly close. Um, I like Jacksonville win this game. I don't love Jacksonville in general, but I do think they're better than the Texans right now. So give me the Jags by seven. Give me 20 to 13.
1: You know, when I look at games like these, Randy, I, I look at, okay, who's who has the best players on the field? And I, I kind of go in order. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I could probably get to 12 players before I name a Houston Texan. Yeah, that's how lopsided the talent is. And you remember when Cam noon was drafted number one overall, and you know a lot of people said, uh, oh, you know, I don't know how Cam's going to be." And he kind of had a so-so preseason. Week one, he threw for over four hundred yards. Mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence is going to throw for over four hundred yards against the Houston Texans. Oh, baby! So I'm um, take the Jags. I think the Jags are going to win. I say somewhere between 17 and 20 points. Let me go 20 to seven over the Houston Texans.
0: Wow. 400 yards and like 20 points. All right. All right. And if that's the case, Matt Bushnell is saying start LaVisca Chenault, start Marvin Jones. I don't know if DJ Chark's playing, but if he is, start him. And start James Robinson is what you're saying. Start your Jags. I'm, start
1: your one. Jags. I'm starting my Jags, damn it.
0: Jaguar, also a classic vehicle, if you had one. if you <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, that's the early game. Let's get to the late ones and they, they get a little bit better here. And this, this first one here, I'm really interested in, and it's the Cleveland Browns against the Kansas City Chiefs coming off of that divisional round matchup that we all remember. Browns fans can't get over that rule <laughs> where if you fumble through the end zone, it's a touchback. Still the correct rule, by the way, not, you know, you can get over it now, but it's still the correct rule. Um, but the Chiefs that go on to win and obviously go to the Super Bowl and lose, so I love this matchup. I think these are two of the best teams in the AFC, two of the three best teams in the AFC, I would say. Um, I love the, the opening matchup here. But I think, and you might agree with me here, I think the Chiefs are going to come out pretty angry at the world. I think their offensive line is revamped. I think Patrick Mahomes is pissed that he couldn't get that second ring last year and a great opportunity to do so. And I think the Browns might think, hey, we're good now. We're, 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 we're you know We've been bad forever. We're good let's do this. I think the Browns might be drinking their own Kool-Aid a little bit too much. And I think this might be a nice slice of humble pie right off the top of the season. So I do love the matchup, but I do think the chiefs take care of business.
1: You know, to me, the chiefs fit this kind of bill, you know, people saw them, you know, it's almost like when you see God bleed, you know, it's like, Oh, God can be hurt. Well, you know what? The chiefs are not God, but they're pretty damn close. I I think this is like you said. This is I, I wouldn't want to be anyone playing the Chiefs in the first three weeks because I think these first three weeks they're putting everyone on notice that hey we're better than all of you. Yep. So to me, I just think it's going to be a buzzsaw. I, Cleveland I like a lot. I really do like Cleveland. That is a hell of a football team. But the Chiefs are going to be on some next level type of stuff here coming into the season. They're not happy with how the season ended. Patrick Mahomes got his foot surgically repaired. He should be 100%. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is no longer a rookie. Nicole Hardman, is he ready to take that next step? Demarcus Robinson, it's time to step up. These guys we've been hearing about, they have all this speed. They have to start stepping up with Sammy Watkins now being shown the door finally. To me, I I just think this is a whole different animal. Frank Clark is going to play. So to me... I'm going to take the Chiefs 37 to the Browns 28.
0: The uh, question from Ricky Velasquez in the comments, who has a better defense because they both have good offenses. That's a good question. Uh, I don't like, I don't really love the Chiefs defense that much, but also the Browns defense (laughs) has a lot to be desired as well. I think they're pretty similar in that aspect. It's really about, uh, you know the talent on, on both sides of the ball, but to me, I, I think Miles Garrett kind of gives the Browns the edge there. I just yep. think he adds a dynamic that the Chiefs don't have. I mean, I know Frank Clark is the pass rusher, but he's not close to Miles Garrett's level. And even as much as we 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 love um Chris big Chris in the middle there, um Chris Jones, he, he's not gonna he's not gonna have the same impact that Miles Garrett has on a regular mm-hmm. basis. So I just think the Miles Garrett effect gives the Browns the slight edge there.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, when, when you want to start talking about defenses, who has the more impactful player? I think for the Chiefs, we're talking about the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew. Yep. And then for the Browns, obviously it's Myles Garrett. And Miles Garrett is a lot better than Tyron
0: Matthew. So I yeah, agree. Miles with Garrett that. is a continuous Defense Player of the Year candidate. The guy is just an absolute freak. Yep. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say my official prediction is the Chiefs, 35, the Browns, 24. Um, and as no indicate, like you said with the Cowboys, there's no indicament, uh, uh on the rest of the season for the Browns. I just think they're catching the Chiefs at a bad time. Yeah. Uh, We're uh, going to uh, see a big FU tour from the Chiefs this year, I think. Yep. I agree. All right. AFC East matchup now in Foxborough, the Miami dolphins taking on the the new England Patriots with Mac Jones, making his first ever NFL start. And I think of this and it's all right. Maybe there's a lot of pressure on Mac Jones to succeed. But I look across the, the line of scrimmage and I'm like, I think there's even more pressure on Tua Tagovailoa <laughs> to show that he's good at football. <laughs> so um, I, I do think these teams are similar in the way that they have, both have good coaches. They both have good defenses. They're both going to run the ball. Um, and it really comes down to the quarterback play. And I have no reason to not believe in Mac Jones. And I have a few reasons to not believe in Tua <laughs> at the moment. Um, so I the Patriots at home to start the season. It's hard for me not to want to pick them right now.
1: I'm digging the Dolphins here. I I think wow. I, I love Brian Flores. I don't. I'm I'm so iffy on the Patriots. I go back and forth with them all the time. I think they could challenge, and I think they can't. There's all sorts of reports coming out about Cam. You know, to me, seeing Bill Belichick struggle to kind of keep everything in house, and then you see Tom Brady having so much fun. Yeah, and I know I give Tom Brady a lot of shit, but it's kind of carth- carthotic for me to see Bill Belichick. And you know what? He is the prime cheater in all of this. Spygate, you know, all that nonsense. You know, I'm just going to throw all that Bill Belichick. So I think Brian Flores is going to do the world a favor and start the Patriots 0 1. I'm, I'm going to take the Dolphins in an absolute dogfight. I think Mac Jones is going to throw four or five picks, but, but give me the Dolphins. 19
0: to the Patriots 18. Oh shit, that would be interesting. Um I love the Dolphins defense. I love their secondary specifically. Uh I love Flores's ability to coach them up. And I like their weapons around Tua. As much as I don't like Tua, uh, I still like Devante Parker a ton. Jalen Waddell, I think, is gonna be the best rookie receiver in this draft. Uh, Miles Gaskin showed he could play a little bit last year, so the wep- they have some weapons. And Mike Gesicki is a big tight end in the middle as well, who has a big catch radius, which could help Tua. I just don't know how to feel about Tua. That last game against the Bills last year, with all the marbles on the line, their playoff hopes there. Him just absolutely laying a stinker out there just really bothers me, yep. and um, I do think it's competitive. I think the defense keeps them in these games, but I don't. I gotta see a new Tua before I fully invest into the Dolphins this year. I think the Patriots win twenty four to twenty in a close divisional matchup where the Patriots I feel like would traditionally dominate the Dolphins. So uh, Mac Jones starts one to on zero oh, in my opinion in his career. All right, now the third of four late games on the slate here and a late game. I mean, the game that starts at four o'clock in the, in the East coast, the one o'clock game for you out in the West uh, three o'clock for you guys in the central parts of the country. Uh, and this game is supposed to be played in new Orleans, um, but it is not It's the Packers traveling to Jacksonville to play the saints due to hurricane Ida still uh, having an impact down there in Louisiana. So um, if you you know are in Louisiana, you know, someone in Louisiana, my, my prayers go out to you guys. Hopefully you guys are okay. Uh, it's eerie. Uh, how similar it was to Katrina when it landed on the same day. Um, It seemed like they were a little bit more prepared, Matt. Thankfully, it seems like the damage wasn't as bad. Honestly, up here in New York, it seemed like we got a little bit more worse uh, of a storm damage than they got down there. So that, um, unfortunately, the people didn't lose their life and everything. But I'm happy that, you know, New Orleans will be able to recover from this a little bit easier than Katrina, it seems. Um, that's a little serious for our show. Let's talk back to the football here, um, and what in a season that Aaron Rodgers dubbed the Last Dance. And if you're familiar with the Last Dance, mm-hmm. it is the last time the Michael Jordan-led Chicago Bulls played together, made it to the NBA Finals, won against Carl Malone and the, the Utah Jazz, and uh remember you remember those series a lot better than I do Matt Bushnell but uh Aaron Rodgers is basically laying it out this is the last season for him in Green Bay and he's taking on the Saints who no longer have Drew Brees for the first time in forever so Jameis Winston at the home for the Saints I I like this matchup a lot but I just I don't really think the Saints are going to be very good this year
1: you know I I like watching the Pat McAfee show and you know the Aaron Rodgers Mm -hmm. Tuesday spot kind of makes you grow a little fond of Aaron Rodgers in some aspects But what an arrogant prick comparing to taking the last dance moniker from the basketball god we call Michael Jordan. The the level of disrespect and the the, the audacity of him to do this. You you know, I'm just going to applaud the Saints. Because they did the most pettiest are the pettiest move. They purposely chose Jacksonville for a couple of reasons. One, no one wants to go there. Two, it would be the hardest place for Packer fans to travel to out of Miami and Tampa Bay. So they're like, oh, hell no. No, we're choosing Jacksonville. And Aaron Rodgers has a losing record in Florida Ooh. during the regular season. So what, bravo to the Saints for being petty. I love it. With that being said, the Saints, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. It, th- this Saints squad, is. it could be good. It could be bad. It could be average. It could be anything. I honestly, Randy, I don't have one idea of how good or how bad or how average this team can be. Looking at this game, I just don't know. I'm going to take the Saints. <laughs> I don't feel good about it. I wow. don't love it, but it's the unknown. Call me intrigued. So I'm going to take the Saints 31-30 to 30 over Aaron Rodgers and his losing record in Florida.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, you're speaking with your heart and not your head, but that's okay. Uh, I think the Saints are going to have a really good defense, and that's going to keep them in a lot of games. I just don't know what to expect out of Jameis Winston and this offense. Alvin Kamara, you know you what know, you're going to get from Alvin Kamara, but then what are you going to get from the Troy Quan Smiths and the Marquez Calloways of the world? Uh, the offensive line is solid. I don't think it's great, but uh, overall, you know, what's the Taysom Hill role in this game? Is Sean Payton going to get cute and let Taysom Hill play quarterback in this game? I, I don't know. To me, the Packers are what we what we expect them to be. I think the loss of David Bakhtiari hurts a ton, but I think they're good enough to overcome that for the time being. And I don't think the Saints are good enough to really get in the way of that. The Rogers thing is funny because he compared it to the Last Dance, knowing that people in Chicago already hate his ass. <laughs> and to add to that, their God Savior, Michael Jordan. He's comparing himself to. It's just hilarious. Um, here's the thing, Rogers. How about you win another Super Bowl before you compare yourself to Michael Jordan? How about you win a couple? Uh, I've been a Rogers defender over the years, but you have one, and it was 11 years ago. And uh, you're three time MVP. What?
1: Well, it's six for Michael. Aaron doesn't know how to count that high.
0: I'm not saying even to get to six because only Tom Brady can do that. Just get a couple. How about you have the same amount as Eli Manning? How about you don't have half of the amount of rings Eli Manning has before you compare yourself to Michael Jordan? Just call
1: it the homecoming Uh, dance.
0: Yeah. All right. But I still think the Packers win this game. I think the Packers are poised for a big year. I just – at Aaron Rodgers' experience, I'm interested to see how it plays out because I don't think it will have the the Adam Sandler and longest yard effect where they just turn on him, you know, when he starts throwing the game. Because I do think they love Aaron Rodgers, and I do think they know he gives them the best chance to win. But maybe if they start slow, they're like, man, this guy was here, no TAs, you know, maybe we'd be better right now. Maybe there's some growing resentment. Like this could get bad for Green Bay, yeah. but I don't necessarily see that happening because I just think, you know, Aaron Rodgers is that good. Um, long-winded answer just to say this. Packers win this game 27 to 17. Jameis has one of his all-time Jameis games, two touchdowns, two picks, maybe a weird fumble. I don't know. Um, But that's what's going to happen in that game. All right. The final game on the slate. That's not prime time. Ah, Here we are. And this game has significance, and we have yet to even bring this up, but there's the, all of these games happening on September 12th, the day after the 20-year remembrance of, of the September 11th attacks. This game is significant because the Monday night before the attacks on the World Trade Center, the Giants were in Denver to play the Broncos, and they could not fly home that Tuesday morning for obvious reasons. Uh, so they decided the Broncos are going to come to MetLife and play the Giants to sort of signify the 20 years since. Um, both of these teams are, uh, you know, pretty different from back then. I would say, um, look, there are a lot of giants fans that I interact with uh, on a regular basis. They annoy me. They (laughs) are hopelessly optimistic to a fault where I understand at this time of year, you want your team to make the playoffs. You think the world of your team, you're like, Oh, this is going to be year We finally put it all together. At some point you have to take a step back and let your eyes tell you what is actually happening here. <laughs> Dave Gettleman comes in 2018. We have a plan. Okay, well, they've had the worst record in the league since Dave Gettleman took charge. He said, oh, we're going to fix the offensive line. We have a plan. The offensive line, maybe outside of the Bengals, is the worst offensive line in the entire sport. The quarterback regressed, as we both predicted, by the way, Matt Bushnell last summer, with Jason Garrett at the, at the helm. Now, you can say, well, they didn't have Kenny Galladay. He didn't have Kadarius Toney. He didn't have uh, Kyle Rudolph. Saquon got hurt week two. That is all fair points. I think the weapons are huge, but I don't think Saquon's fully healthy yet. Kenny Galladay already in this time with a hamstring injury. We have not even seen Kadarius Toney practice until this week. And then the best offensive lineman on the Giants is Andrew Thomas, who they took fourth overall and got absolutely worked in the preseason every time I saw the guy. So you can have all of these weapons all you want, but if you cannot protect the quarterback or create running lanes for your running back, it feels moot. I The, the optimistic part of me with the Giants says the defense is going to be good. The defense kept the Giants in every single game last year. Patrick Graham going to be back with a, with a good defensive roster, mind you. And he's good at coaching these guys up. I don't think the pass rush will be there, but overall the secondary is good, the linebackers are good, and the rushing up the defense is good. I think that's going to be the bread and butter for the Giants. The only way they win games is playing that ugly defensive style of the game. Now, this game comes down to how you feel about the Broncos, Matt. And we did this preview with AFC West. We both like the Broncos. We like that they are starting Teddy. He's more steady, not going to turn the ball over as much. I like the Broncos' defense maybe more than I like the Giants' defense, honestly. And they have pass rushers and Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, and that's going to be hell for the Giants all game long. And uh, I know Giants fans think this is a winnable game. I think every game is a winnable game in the NFL when when it comes down to it. I just think this is a bad matchup for the Giants, and I think they're going to be disappointed. I think the Giants lose.
1: What's a recipe for disaster?
0: Bad offensive line?
1: (laughs) Against a, I don't know, an average defensive coordinator? Absolutely. But a bad offensive line versus Bradley Chubb and Von Miller with Vic Fangio as the defensive coordinator and the head coach. And then you add in they took the best player defensively in the draft who yep. showed every reason why he was the best defensive player in the draft during the preseason.
0: Yep.
1: And did not change any thoughts of mine. And then you also have Kyle Fuller, a loaded mm-hmm. secondary.
0: Justin Simmons. It,
1: it, it, Kyle, it, just all of it all of it is so good Mm -hmm. against a quarterback that has led the league in turnovers the past two years. What the hell would anyone think that the giants can score points against this defense? Like if you told me that the giants are going to get shut out, I, that is more likely than them, than them scoring 10 points. This Broncos defense is going to sick the dogs on Daniel Jones and this giants offense with that. Like um, if they had a better offensive line, Randy, I get it with those weapons. It would make a lot more sense. Yeah. But you're, you're going against this Broncos team and what's a cornerback's best friend. Oh, a good pass rush. Why? Cause it speeds everything up. They can break on the routes. Kyle yeah. Fuller did that with the bears in 2018, led the league. in, I think he was second in the league in interceptions. Patrick Sertain is a shut down corner. Justin Simmons is that dude at safety. I I, I hate this matchup. It is a terrible matchup for the Giants. And then let's talk about the offense, because I got a bone to pick with Corey here. He said, starting Bridgewater with no line and a year two wide receiver. Did we forget about Cortland Sutton? Did we forget about Noah Fant? Did we forget about Tim Patrick? Okay, Jerry Judy is a nice option. Yeah. But he's not their number one. This team is loaded in a lot of different places. Yep. The biggest thing that we talked about holding them back, and their offensive line is perfectly average. Yep. It's okay to have an average offensive line, which they do have. It's not terrible. The Giants are going to get their ass smoked in this game. The I Man, Randy, Joe Judge is going to be having people running laps. This is game is going to get ugly for Joe judge quickly. And that defense is going to try, but when you're going to be on the field, as long as that defense is going to be on the field, you're going to get tired. I'm taking the Broncos 27 to the giants three.
0: Jeez. Three points. Wow. That would be pretty bad. Um, I'm going to say the Broncos win this game 19 to 13, and, uh, and it's an ugly game, and Daniel Jones has a chance to drive late and ends in a turnover, because, of course, it does. Uh, the Giants defense will keep him in it. I have confidence in that, but I don't have the Giants confidence, confidence in the Giants to win the game. It's uh, Giants will be 0-1 and have to go to Washington, by the way, Thursday night football week, oh. too. So, could be a quick zero 2 start for the Giants here uh, right off the bat. All right. So that's it for the the whole slate of games that's that's not prime time. So let's get to prime time. Oh, do we We've have been to? waiting all day for Sunday night. Matt Bush, are you ready for this all-time quarterback matchup? <laughs> Matt Stafford against the Chicago Bears and Andy Dalton as yeah. quarterback. What the hell, NBC and NFL? I mean, why why can we get another game here? Why can we get Brown Chiefs here? This is like I know their Bears will be will be competitive with the defense and exciting with the Rams. But if Justin Fields not starting, give me, give me another matchup here. This is just I want a whole lot more than this at the end of watching football all day.
1: You know, to me, this will be the least aesthetically pleasing and intriguing game from teams that are playoff contenders. And, and I do put the Bears in playoff contenders. I don't, I don't think they're going to make it, but I, I think there is some contention there that they could have. To me, the Chiefs and the Browns were so obvious to put here. It, you know, we never really talked about the schedule and the lay of the land here, but it's just stupid to put the Bears and the Rams here. These teams don't, do not score points against each other. They've played each other the last four years, and I think it's a grand total. I don't think any game's gone over 40 points total. And to me, Matthew Stafford has struggled the, against the Bears his entire career. It has not been good. Um, I don't love Stafford here. And even with the weapons, Robert Woods, Cooper cup, they're nice players. They're not great. Um, losing, um, cam acres, right.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: That hurts the Rams a lot for a team that needs cam acres. I, I can't envision a bears win here. I, I just, I don't see it. There's no scenario where I see the bears being able to pull this one out just because I think the Rams' defense is so good. Maybe the loss of um, – I'm thinking of the defensive coordinator, that's now the head coach of the Chargers. Oh, Brandon Staley. Brandon Staley. The, to me, I, everything lines up for the Rams in a very ugly football game. This is going to be atrocious to watch. It's going to put people to sleep. I, I'm, I'm going to say the Rams end up winning this something like 16 to like 9 – you know, is something real low scoring, maybe 16 to 12.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree it's going to be ugly. I think the whole point of this game being on Saturday Night Football is because not the product on the field, the field itself. SoFi Stadium, <laughs> having fans in it again, is worth the price of having it on primetime in itself. Uh, it's a wonderful place I've heard, and I've heard it's beautiful. So uh, looking forward to seeing that aspect of it. And Monday Night Football will have a similar feel to it as well. Um, but to me, I think, and I know the, the, um, the Bears are familiar with Matt Stafford, so they have that. But what I think is that Sean McVeigh is out to show how absolutely shitty Jared Goff, Jared Goff was at quarterback. <laughs> And he wants to show that he has a real quarterback now. And he's going to show you what the possibility is with that. That he's going to throw the ball so much with Matt Stafford and light it up and that Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and Tyler Higby and now either Sony Michelle or Daryl Henderson, like this offense is going to operate at its full potential with a guy like Matt Stafford, because a guy like Jared Goff was just so absolutely God freaking terrible that he had to tell him the coverages in his helmet before every stupid play. Uh, Sean McVay's life is going to get a hell of a lot easier. And I'm not saying the bears are going to be fine. They're going to be able to play defense. It's going to be, they're going to keep them in the game, but overall, I think the Rams are out for blood. and I think. Sean McVay is out to show, hey, my offense is way better than you guys have even seen yet. Jared Goff sucks ass, and I'm going to prove it to you. So I think that's going to start in this game. So I think the Rams win. I think it's going to be, I think the Bear. I'm going to respect Bears' defense. I would say it's going to be 24 to 10. I just have no faith in Andy Dalton. And maybe as Corey who's laid out in the comments that maybe Andy Dalton's dead by halftime and then he could trust the fields <laughs> in the third quarter. Maybe that's the ideal scenario anyway. I don't know. But I do think the Rams went comfortably here and, and kind of show a little bit of what they actually could have been in the last few years.
1: I've just seen too much of Matthew Stafford. Like he's had Calvin Johnson, Golden Tate. Like he's had every weapon imaginable to him. He had Jim Caldwell. I think he had Mike Martz for a time. Like, well, no, I don't think he had Mike Martz. He may have, I don't know, may have been pre Matt Stafford, but he's had coaches. He's had all these things, all these things. And Matt Stafford's best year was one and done in the playoffs. That's Matt Stafford. He'll throw back-breaking interceptions. He's going to turn the ball over. Yes, he he is better than Jared Goff. We all know that. But I'm telling everyone right now, if you think Matt Stafford is going to be the difference between the Rams you know, going into the playoffs and the Rams going to the Super Bowl, Matt Stafford ain't that dude. Pick the wrong quarterback.
0: All I'm saying is this. They made the Super Bowl with Jared Goff, and they scored three points. I think Matt Stafford is good enough where he could have won that game. I think Jared Goff doesn't get the credit for the NFC title game uh, in New Orleans. I will always say that. However, I just think Stafford is – it might not be the best quarterback ever, Matt. And to your point, he does always leave you wanting more – I think he's finally in a situation to do that. And I, I just think Sean McVay is a better coach than the Jim Bob Cooters of the world. <laughs> yeah, uh, putting Matt Stafford in a situation to put up numbers, but ultimately not to succeed. So, uh, I just think Matt Stafford. You're, you're going to see Matt Stafford's full potential with the Rams as well.
1: Man, if we didn't see that with Calvin Johnson, God
0: help us! Yes. Yeah, I, I, dang, I think you did play pretty well with Calvin Johnson as well. All right, Sunday night football. Did you got you have your official prediction there. So, both of us predict uh, saying our own teams are going to finish start, start off the year zero and one. So that's uh, par for the course. All right, Monday night football. <laughs> 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 forward to that. Um and it's a weird matchup, but overall one I'm excited for too the Ravens traveling to Las Vegas to play in the big Roomba Snow <laughs> Stadium. We haven't seen fans in yet. So I'm really looking forward to seeing fans in Reliance Stadium. They did an unbelievable job with this place. And I cannot wait to see what it's the atmosphere is like with an audience. Um, I have yet to pick an upset yet, and I think if i it's weird to pick a home team as an upset here, but I kind of think the Raiders are going to start off the season with a win over the Ravens, and I say that because I think the people just assume the Ravens are going to be really good, and they're going to come out and just win the game because that's what they always do. They're always really solid. They're playoff teams every year. I think the Ravens could be in a little bit of trouble off the bat here, and I think the Raiders are a high-powered offense and could eventually just outscore, outscore Baltimore to the point where Lamar Jackson can't do anything about it. So what do you think of this matchup?
1: Yeah, I know. You summed it up right there. It really depends on how well this offense clicks for the Raiders. If they come out early and score a bunch of points, yeah, I mean, they're going to come away with a very big win. If the Ravens are able to control the game and run the football with Lamar Jackson and Gus Edwards and hitting the freshly play, freshly paid Mark Andrews in those little flat routes down the seams, it's just going to be a tough way for the Raiders to go. I don't know enough about the Ravens defense, and that scares me a little bit because they got rid of a lot of guys. So they still have a lot of people there. Um, it's the Ravens. They're going to play hard nose, tough football, but I don't know if it's the same Ravens we've seen the past couple of years. They could be in line for regression. You know, if, if Cincinnati made the right picks, maybe we'd be talking about Cleveland and Cincinnati dominating the AFC North. But mm-hmm. between – Between Baltimore and Las Vegas, the Raiders, John Groon's had four years now. I believe this is year four. This is year four. And it hasn't gotten better. It feels like it's the same football team that we've seen trotted out there. Their offensive line got worse. Their defense, they, they wanted Cleo Mack because they still can't find a pass rusher. I don't know how you sell this football team To beat a team like the Ravens. And I I think Lamar Jackson is going to come back and put up an MVP type of performance. I'm talking two passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, and really control this game. I'm going to take the Ravens 27, I'm sorry, 28 to the Raiders 21.
0: Okay. Well, here it is. I feel like I've gone chalk this whole time. And I'm going to predict the home upset. You don't get this that often, a team at home with the upset victory. But I'm going to go the Las Vegas Raiders. Gruden has the guys fired up, and it probably means they're going to finish below 500. But they get the biggest win of the season right off the bat on Monday Night Football. I'm going to say the Raiders, 31, the Ravens, 26. So wow. going to be an entertaining game there in the big Roomba. Cannot wait to see that. All right. Matt, it's time to do some quick predictions here. We've talked a lot on this show. It's been an hour and a half now. So we're going to do – you want to do our Super Bowl predictions first and then awards or awards and then Super Bowl? Yeah, let's go ahead and do our Super Bowl predictions. All right, Matt Bushnell. Super Bowl 56, uh, LVI I believe it is, uh, in SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, California. Who is it going to be?
1: It is going to be the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Green Bay Packers.
0: Oh I cannot believe this. He picked the Packers. What's let's, let's hear it because I'm kind of pissed because I feel like you took mine, but go ahead. I
1: just think the Packers have a very special opportunity. Um Aaron Jones is good. I, I really Devonte Adams, I mean it doesn't get much better than that. Bobby Tanyan at the big tight end is a matchup nightmare. They should get Bakhtiari back at some point during the season, I hope. Um, to me, the Packers have a lot of things aligning in their favor, and a pissed-off Aaron Rodgers is a, is a really good Aaron Rodgers. And keep in mind, they were literally you know, right there to beat the Buccaneers, And I just think they play in a winnable division. The Packers are going to have the division locked up pretty early. I don't think Minnesota or Chicago is going to compete to win that division. And I I think that's going to enable them, whereas the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to have a little bit harder time with the Saints as usual. So give me the Packers. The Chiefs are going to win it because Patrick Mahomes is God. Um, It's, you know, Chiefs, you're Super Bowl champions.
0: I'm so angry at you, I really am. I didn't think there was a chance in hell you were going to pick the Packers to make the Super Bowl, and I literally was going to pick the Packers just to piss you off, and you did it before me. Well, that's wow. the
1: risk you—that's the risk you take when you let me go first, buddy.
0: I was literally going to adjust. I was literally going to say the last dance, the Packers and Cinderella story to the Super Bowl, only to get shut out by Patrick Mahomes. No, uh, but now I'm going to call it audible. I don't want to make the same pick as you. That's not fun. Oh wow! I don't want to do that. Uh, calling it audible. That's what we do on the show. It's the name of the show. Damn it. That's what we're going to do. I'm sticking with the chiefs. I don't see how anyone in the a- AFC to throw into the chiefs. I, I just think that they are the, the favorite for a reason and they're going to be out to- for things to prove. So I'm going to go now with the team. I think that the Packers were going to be at the NFC title game, who I think now I'm going to change my mind. They're going to lose the a- NFC title game. And that is to the LA Rams. I think it's going to be a rematch of that really exciting Monday night football game from a couple years ago. The color rush, all red Chiefs jerseys, all uh, yellow, twisted T-looking Rams jerseys. Uh, But this time around, it'll be Matt Stafford. This will be a home Super Bowl for the second straight year, by the way, at SoFi Stadium. So it's less about Matt Stafford for me as it is about Sean McVay. I think Sean McVay will establish himself as one of the best coaches in the league uh, and make a Super Bowl again. But he also loses the Super Bowl once again because I think Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs I just have such a hard time assuming they're going to lose to anybody. And I think the world of him, and we're going to look back 10 years from now and say, wow, we really, somehow, as much as we overhyped Patrick Holmes, we're still dead on <laughs> about how yeah. amazing he is. So it's um, going to add to the Tom Brady legacy, even more the fact that they beat uh, Patrick Holmes. So I'm going to say Chiefs Rams and you say Chiefs Packers, which would be a rematch by the way, was Super Bowl one and two, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there are legendary pictures from that, those matchups as well. Yep. All right. We're not going to go every award, but some big ones, Matt, we want to do. Let's start. You know, let's just go for it. Big one right off the bat, the most valuable player award. Uh, Aaron Rodgers won it three times. He won it last year. Um, 2020, 20, the 2021 MVP, Matt Bushnell. And I'm not letting you go first this time. I'm going first this time. It is going to be Justin Herbert, quarterback. Los Angeles Chargers. What could
1: possibly be more annoying than Aaron Rodgers winning another MVP? It's Tom Brady winning another (laughs) MVP. (laughs) You bastard. Take it back. (laughs) Tom Brady is going to be your 2021 NFL MVP. Damn it. (laughs) He's going to talk for like 50
0: touchdowns. Corey Decker predicting Bucks, Bills in the Super Bowl, which almost happened last year. Could have happened. Brady against the Bills one more time. I think Buffalo might literally just get burned to the ground if that happened. <laughs> uh, and if Tom Brady was another MVP, I think we all need to just assume the way of the world is happening. All right. Coach of the year. By the way, I'm patting myself on the back because I didn't get many of these right, but I did predict Kevin Stefanski was going to be the coach of the year last year and nailed that one. So I'm claiming that victory, although I felt like it was a pretty easy call. Uh, But who do you think is going to be the coach of the year in 2021?
1: Even though he's going to have a losing record and typically it doesn't go to coaches with losing record, Robert Saul is going to be the NFL coach of the year.
0: Okay. Um, To me, it's going to be Sean McVay. Uh, I just think the Rams are going to be incredible if they win the best division in football and they have a lights out year, they're going to give it to Sean McVay. Um, honorable mention, Kevin Stefanski, potentially back-to-back coach of the year awards, but they typically stay away from that. They don't yeah. really like to do that that much. So uh, I do think the rounds is going to be solid again. All right. Comeback player of the year, which I'm just going to dub the Alex Smith award uh, for comeback player of the year. I think there are two obvious candidates here. And I think one is just a little bit more likely than the other, but I want to get your pick right off the bat, Matt.
1: Oh man um you know I, i'm just gonna say it because i got them winning the nfc west jimmy garoppolo
0: oh okay yep that's, that's was, interesting he was hurt for uh, most
1: of the year but I, I i like the i like the 49ers who won that division
0: i have two um nfc east players um it's i think it'll either be Dak prescott or saquon barkley And I just think Dak is in a better position for that to happen for him. And he plays quarterback. So I think it's more likely that they give it to a quarterback, especially if he plays well. And I just don't think Saquon's in a super ideal situation to succeed. So I'll say Dak, Dakota Rain Prescott. (laughs) How about, uh, let's just get some of these bigger ones and call it a day. Um, Let's do defensive player of the year.
1: Roquan Smith, Chicago Bears.
0: Wow. I would – Give you hundred dollars if that
1: happened. Yeah, <laughs> look, people can sleep on Roquan all they want. Statistically, he had the best year of any linebacker last year. He, okay. he's he's a force. He wrecks game plans. Ro- Roquan's that dude.
0: Well, when Chase Young has twenty sacks, it's gonna be hard <laughs> to not give it to him. So he's not gonna have twenty sacks. We're gonna go Chase Young here. <laughs> And a really bold prediction right there for you.
1: I I mean, if if he gets 20 sacks, I I don't know what NFL coaches are doing because you just triple team them at that point. You just put three guys on them, and if somebody else sacks the quarterback, someone else sacks the quarterback.
0: All right. Any other awards? I think those are the big ones that we primarily care about. Got to do rookie of the years. All right. Let's do offensive and defensive rookie of the years. Uh, I'll start with the offensive rookie of the year. And uh, give me Jalen Waddell wow
1: Jalen Waddle, really
0: yeah
1: wow okay I offensive, think he's stud. offensive rookie of the year I'm just gonna go talk here I'm gonna take Trevor Lawrence because I just think he's that damn good
0: I mean it goes makes sense to go to quarter go the number one quarterback overall but um, which it'll probably be Lawrence but I don't care. All these talks about all these great quarterbacks and it'll be Jalen Waddle. No, I'm kidding. Uh, It might be. Defensive player, uh, rookie of the year uh, gets a little bit more interesting and you could easily go Patrick Sertang because he thought he was the best player uh, defensively in the draft anyway. And this is where I find it a little bit more complicated. Um, I'm going to go Homer pick. I never go Homer picks. I never pick Giants to do anything here. I'm going to go Aziz Ojalari, the second round picket from the Giants, and I think he will have an impact for them defensively this year. I am gonna go
1: Patrick Sertan because I said it before the draft. And not only that, I'm gonna double down on this. I believe in Sertan so much he will lead the NFL in
0: interceptions this year. Woof. Woof. All right, Matt Bush will Bring in the heat on um, the predictions. Hey, All right.
1: Go big or go home.
0: Go big or go home. I like it. Um Patrick Sertain is an absolute stud. All right, so um, I got to hit the road here, Matt Bush and all. Uh, For those who don't know, I'm going to Cooperstown to see Derek Sanderson Jeter get inducted to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Our fearless leader, Henry, is already on the road en route to central New York. I am on the road right after the show is over with here. So why don't we do a quick tease of the shows, and then we'll say goodbye.
1: Yeah, uh, I'll be honest here. Dong City, I don't think they're going tomorrow.
0: No, we'll be there in Cooperstown, so probably next week.
1: Yeah, so uh, No Dung City tomorrow. Um, The Work to Shoot Wrestling podcast is going on Thursday. Jason Brooks, Corey Richmond, I do believe they're going on Thursday. And wow, what a pay-per-view Sunday evening. If you're an AEW fan or a WWE fan or an independent wrestling fan, whatever wrestling fan you may be, um, just a a really interesting pay-per-view. A lot of tide shifting. Corey and Jason have their pulse on all of that. Should be pretty interesting to listen to. Um, Leon and Jacob um jacob anthony moses leon tompkins uh basketball life the step back podcast probably got that from michael jordan with his famous step back fadeaway, because they're both huge mj fans um really I, I love those guys really nice stuff on the step back podcast give them a listen i think they're in the off season so their schedule is sporadic and then on sunday we have the total bases podcast with felipe Melicio and sean connor flannery Really, Randy, we're on the home stretch. Bets are being evaluated. The Yankees rose. They looked like they were gonna take off. And then Aaron Boone did Aaron Boone things. And now the
0: Yankees are it's a struggle, bus. And Garrett Cole leaves the game early today with an injury, so it's all going downhill fast again for the Yanks. So. It's, it's on fire. As as
1: soon as you think you got the White Sox.
0: Yep, as soon as they suck me back in, this is what happens. Yep. All but, right, well, baseball season. Tuesday we're back. And then Tuesday we'll be back. And then, yeah, it's obviously baseball playoff pushes are happening. Pennant races are going on. But, Matt, baseball feels like it's getting put on the back burner now because – College football, roaring start to the season for really? them. Absolutely exciting weekend for them in college football world. It was so great to, to see, you know, fans back. I mean, there's some issues with that in itself. But otherwise, <laughs> the atmosphere is everything in sports. That, that felt like a little bit of normalcy again in the world. Uh, I'm not the biggest college football fan, but I always get excited when it starts because that means NFL kicks off now. Uh, I want to thank you guys always for the support in the offseason. It's always a struggle for us to come up with content and do previews. So we greatly appreciate all of the support. And we finally here, we finally made it. Enjoy week one. Enjoy the kickoff game. We will be back next Tuesday to recap it and preview week two matt do you have any parting words for the audience
1: no matter what happens week one just remember unlike last year you have one more week to get it right 17 games baby
0: <laughs> wise words all right well wherever you may be listening however you may be listening i greatly appreciate you always making us a small part of your day enjoy the football it's here baby All right. I love you, Derek Jeter. Can't wait to see you tomorrow. I'm Matt Bush, and I'll see you next week and the rest of you. Have a good one. Take care.